Hi, my name is Rachel White from IKEA Australia, and today I'm joined by Ina to discuss her journey as a designer for IKEA of Sweden, what democratic design is, and how it creates the products that end up in millions of homes around the world. Welcome to Australia. This is your first time here. Yes, it can, is. Can you tell us about your time so far? What have you been doing? <laughs> oh my God, the week has been, uh, there has been a lot of things happening during the week. So at the same time, I'm happy that it's Friday, but then at the same time, like, oh, oh it has been going so fast. We have had such a great time and I have met such fantastic people during the week. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, you're an in-house designer with IKEA. Yes. Can you tell me how you came to be in this role? <laughs> oh, goodness. That was, um, that was um, how to say, uh, I'm, uh, I, I could say that I'm sort of like a yes-sayer. Um, I, I, well, I come from Finland. I moved to Stockholm to continue with my studies and then during the studies I started to run my own design company. And uh, actually, um, in February, we organized, in Stockholm, we organized the, or we, uh, it's organized the, the Stockholm Furniture Fair, or just Stockholm Design Week also sure. at the same time. And that's sort of like the connection point uh, for Scandinavian design companies and whoever practice design, uh, and also an international meeting point with Scandinavian design. So when you're running your design company, it's like you, that's the thing where you show your work, uh, whether you're at the fair or whether you are somewhere around the town. And I, I, was, uh, I was exhibiting my own work in a gallery uh, in this charming uh, old part of uh, Stockholm. And then um, I, I realized that in, in the next door neighbor, IKEA was starting to build up something. Sure. Uh, and that, I think it was like on Monday when I realized that, oh, oh, IKEA, oh, that's cool. Um, and then I realized that they, on, I think it was on a Tuesday uh, during the same week when when I saw that they, IKEA has uh, sort of like a launch a press event right. uh, during the evening. Sure. And then it was time for me to close down my gallery uh, during the evening. So I was like, okay, but I don't have any plans. Uh, so I just like popped by. Um, but of course, it was it was closed event for yes. press only. But I pretended to be a blogger. And <laughs> I actually, I have a one friend in Finland who is a blogger. So I, I show we we both have light hair, well, blonde hair, <laughs> sort of like same, uh, sort of like. Um, and I I I showed her Instagram account, right? Uh, because I of course I didn't have like business cards or anything approved that I'm a blogger. Sure. Um, so I showed her like yeah, but this is my blog. Um, well, anyway, I got in uh, <laughs> to event, and then um, I it was actually IKEA was launching Cine League, oh. uh, the cork or natural fiber collection uh, that we did together with Ilse Crawford. I love that collection. Uh, it's one of my still one of my favorites, definitely. I yeah, I have like 90% of the collection in my home um, and uh, I mean it was it was fantastic to meet Ilse and also uh, a lot of other makers and doers behind the collection and then during that evening I, I also met this like super friendly guy uh, who I who I like really enjoyed talking to and uh, we had such a great time that we booked a lunch meeting for the next day we thought that okay but we don't have any time to, to talk through uh, everything during this evening so let's just meet again tomorrow yes and uh, and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah great, that's great. Uh, but then uh, then during that lunch meeting the day after, I realized that it was uh, Marcus Engman, uh, the design manager from IKEA. And uh, uh, well, I mean, I, I I had no idea who he was. Sure. Um, but it was we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot of things in common. Yeah. And he actually thought that. Oh, he was asking from me if I could come over to Elmholt the week after. Yes. 
uh, to meet the design team. Sure. And, well, I mean, the thing was that I didn't even know that IKEA has... I did know about the head office, but I had never been to Elmholt. It's sure. not like the thing it's you not, have. It's not on the map, really, <laughs> no, is it? No, no, not really. No, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so of course, like, yeah, I mean, why not? That would be fantastic. So I, I took the train from Stockholm. It's like three and a half hours uh, on the week after, on Monday morning. So I arrived there during the afternoon and Marcus was introducing me. We were walking around in the office and he was telling about how it works to work as a designer at IKEA. And, and then we sat down for a cup of coffee in the afternoon, just before it was time for me to take the train back to Stockholm. And... Uh, And it ended up me sitting on the train with the contract in my hand that was saying that I would start uh, as an in-house designer uh, or join the team the week what after in- that. What an incredible way to come into IKEA by yeah, chance, yeah, by sneaking, yeah, sneaking like, into like an said, event. Uh, it is to say yes to things and especially, I mean, curiosity. That's, curiosity is our favorite word at it IKEA, is. definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was something that, that, uh, that was the most... That sort of like uh, connected me and Marcus instantly. Yes. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, that's something I have never tried before. Of course, let's let's see how it goes. And <laughs> I mean, seriously, it took uh, it didn't take more than a couple of hours on the week after when I when I landed to Elmhold that that I could easily state that this is a company where I will work for the rest of my life. It was love at the first sight, and I it's I think I'm still having my honeymoon after three and a no sorry. Five and a half years. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you talk about being an in-house designer at IKEA. How many of you are there? So we are 12 people uh, who are located in Elmhold and then uh, then f- uh, four of us in Shanghai at the Product Development Centre. That, that's so, quite incredible for such a huge, yeah. the world's largest home furnishing retailer. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's, I, it, the thing is that, um, uh, I mean, of course, We launch 2,000 new products every year. So, and of course, when you think about these two numbers, of course, it's not only us who does all the products. Uh, we have also a big list of freelance designers that come in and go uh, project-wise. Sure. But what is the biggest difference between being an in-house designer and freelancer is that we are sort of like we own a bit more bigger part of the range. Sure. Uh, of course, when you are in-house designer, you work with everything that we do at IKEA. Uh, so at the same time, for example, I'm working with the cutlery and I'm working with the sofa, uh, new sofa family. Um, so it's it's like a big open range or sure. big open uh, scope. But, uh, but you are sort of like also at the same time, you're a little bit more focused on on specific area okay. um, at our HFBs. Sure. Um, and uh, and it takes um, uh, it takes a while before you learn how we do things at IKEA, and it's a long. I mean, <laughs> for example, Knut and Marianne, uh, two of my colleagues, they have been working as in-house designer for thirty five plus years. Oh, wow, that says also something. Sure, um, about that it does take time. Yes. Um, That's amazing. Um, you spoke about um, coming from Finland. I'm interested to hear what it was like growing up there and what your family life was like. <laughs> well, I mean, that I guess also that's why it was so easy for me to make or settle up in uh, or settle down in in Elmhold, uh, because I come from a similar small, tiny village uh, from eastern part of Finland. 
But instead of comparing my hometown and Elmholt is that in Elmholt you have IKEA and everybody works. Everybody are somehow connected to IKEA. Mm. The village where I come from, everybody are connected to a paper mill. Sure. Um, the paper industry is a big thing in Finland. Um, but but my parents, they were a little bit different. Um, <laughs> my my mom is a textile designer and my dad is a photographer. So I grew up in this uh, really creative uh, family. And also that my dad has, uh, he has his photo studio uh, upstairs in our home. And my da- and my mom has, uh, uh, she does a lot of weaving, like old-fashioned way of weaving right. uh, at home. Sure. Um, but they both, they both teach in a university. So it was sort of like the boundaries between work life and home, they sort of like got, got blended. You would never ever meet my dad without his camera around his neck. Uh, and then when I was a kid, I could when I was waking up uh, in the middle of the night, I could hear my mom. Uh, how do you say that little banging sound from the from, from the weaving? weaving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was sort of like the work was always there, but I think that my sort of like it wasn't that, it wasn't like work. Sure, it uh, was just life. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and of course that was that was a great source of inspiration for me also uh, when I was when I was five my my dream was to become the first female president of Finland so the creative uh, uh, industry wasn't the plan in the beginning but I think I, I, I did uh, the president career thing uh, quite early so um, and then then focused on early age to to great oh to be able to have a work that I could enjoy on the same way that my parents could uh, that it wasn't the work that I was doing it was sort of like my hobby of building things uh, and making things with my hands became um, something that I started to study and then that became something that that I practice and get paid for which is that's really lovely. Yeah. And you moved away from home fairly young to study. Yeah, yeah. but that's, that's also a thing because I, I, um, uh, I decided it so early that, that this, is, this is something that I want to do. Uh, and of course, growing up in a small village on the countryside, there was really not that much choices to do. Um, so I, I did move from home when I was 15 uh, to study fine arts in, uh, in high school. And then continued to study design. Uh, it was in the same town. Um, and then after three and a half years, then I moved to Stockholm. Um, I mean, the design education in Finland is, has a long and sort of quite heavy roots in the tradition of, or in the making part. Uh, but that was fantastic. I mean, you you learned the basics from a lot of different materials uh, i learned how to weld and work with the um, work with wood or carpentry uh, i learned to to uh, well I went, that was my mom who learned me to to do oh, more more from the textile side yeah. uh, but it was you got sort of like you could touch the base uh, or the basics from very very different kind of materials glass and ceramics became my two favorites um, they and they still definitely are, especially glass. Uh, it's such a stubborn material uh, uh-huh. that I love that it's also challenging you. Right. Um, and uh, I mean that was that was fantastic as a base to have. But then I started to miss a little bit of that sort of like the thinking behind the making. So not only making products or making things out of different materials, 
but also the, the sort of like the why. Um, and that was something that took me to Stockholm. And then also the fact that, of course, when you are in school, um, you are, I sort of like got a little bit uh, scared also to be uh, inside those four walls in sure. a really protected atmosphere. It, for me, it was really difficult to figure out how I could ever make a profession out of this one. I really enjoyed the making, but then, like, what, how, how, how can I do this uh, when the school is finished? How can I, how can I make this into my profession? Work, yeah. and, and that was something that Stockholm learned me. Um, you, uh, I learned to work a lot, uh, but also to create uh, a network around what I was doing and what was, what, I was, what was the thing I wanted to say with my work or through my work. Um, and, and like I said also earlier, that, that Stockholm is and has been always sort of like the connection point uh, within Scandinavian design, but also uh, I learned to... Uh, or I also started to create my network around or outside Scandinavia. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. And now you're living in <coughs> Shanghai in China. Can you tell us what you're doing there? Yeah, so I... Uh, actually, I, I celebrated my one-year anniversary with Shanghai uh, a couple of days ago. I moved there last year. Uh, or I, my plane landed on the 25th of September. Uh, and that was, that was basically... I mean, my curiosity towards the PDC, or the Product Development Centre... Uh, that has been around since, oh, like, first week uh, when I started at IKEA. I knew that there is a design team. And, uh, and then, of course, um, we have a lot of production around there. Uh, and my favourite place to work is definitely at the factory floor. Um, and, uh, in, well, yeah, instead of taking a long flight from Copenhagen to be able to travel to Southeast Asia... Uh, of course, it's su- extremely luxurious situation now that you can just take the train in the morning and go to a supplier, and then then you are back at home in the afternoon. Uh, it's uh, I I realized that I want to learn so much. Um, we have one thousand suppliers, and I have probably visited during five and a half years. I have probably been able to visit before moving to Shanghai. I probably was visiting or have been visited like. 20 of them. Sure. So there was a lot to discover. Uh, and then also one thing uh, is that we at IKEA, we talk about the many people, but it's quite difficult to understand what what is the many people when you are located in Elmholt, in southern part of Sweden, in the middle of the woods. Mm. Um, and I, I just wanted to learn more about the many so, of course, moving to Shanghai, I have been around in India a lot during the last week, uh, sorry, during the last year. And uh, and then, yeah, I can say that I, I'm starting to learn about the many people um, in a little bit different way really than, nice than way. before. Yeah, and actually something you just said then I found really interesting about um, you love working on the factory floor. Yeah. What yes. does that actually mean? What do you do when you go into, I, I guess, a supplier? How does it make you work better so uh, usually well at least at the moment when when you get the brief or when you know that okay this is now we're going to do this is the next thing that we're going to do uh it's um we want to do the designs that are optimized for the production to make the most out of the materials uh, or make the most out of the limited resources that we have around 
so it's of course super important to know about the making. Of course the making now, thinking about my background, uh, of course the making looks very, very different. But it's the same kind of respect towards the materials that mm. we have. Uh, and then you, uh, the magic happens when you take your product development team, uh, the technicians that you have around, and you go to the supplier and meet the knowledge from the supplier side. Uh, that's where the magic happens. That's the, that's the moment when we are being uh, on our best. That's wonderful. Um, can you tell us about IKEA's design concept, democratic design? Yes. So, uh, my favourite subject. Uh, so, it's based on five different dimensions. Uh, of course, first one is the form. Of course, we want to make beautiful things. Um, that's what we designers are educated for. We want to make uh, the better everyday life a little bit more beautiful. Uh, then we have the function. Uh, form follows function. That's what Scandinavian design is based for. Um, making functional everyday uh, or making that better everyday life also a bit more functional. Uh, and then we have quality. Um, of course, we want to make long-lasting things, things that age gracefully um, out of materials that are uh, out of good materials. And then we have sustainability, something that we are highlighting even more and more, um, making things, not only producing things on a sustainable way, but also uh, making things out of materials that are more uh, long-lasting and sustainable. Uh, designing also for circularity. Uh, that's something that, uh, that has, been, uh, has been a lot more in focus during uh, uh, the last years. And then, of course, what truly makes IKEA IKEA is the fifth dimension, which is the low price. Um, making things or making good things truly affordable for the many people. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, I understand that um, IKEA's design process starts with the price and that's quite different to every other, I think, design process where the price comes later. How does that work? So, yeah, uh, yeah, like you said also, design process starts with designing um, the price tag and everything else follows uh, after that one. Uh, what kind of materials we work with, um, whether we are going to do something uh, that is handmade or whether it's going to be the industrial production line. Um, and then also that uh, meeting the many customers. We have different price ladders. Uh, we have the BTIs, the most challenging projects. Um, and they are definitely, um, well, like I said, the price is, price is something that uh, rules everything else. It's a fifth dimension. It's sort of like when I the first one is the form, but it's that's not sort of like the the order. The order. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And tell me if you're um, if you're designing a product and it's not meeting the the five elements of democratic design, what happens? We then we then we exit it. Right. Uh, we have this method called love, fix, and exit. Uh, exit if things are not living up to uh, the dimensions of democratic design. Uh, or uh, we can fix them if we truly, truly believe that there is something, um, then we put all the effort to be able to fix it because it's only the products that we love uh, that we keep. That's amazing. Um, IKEA has a really deep understanding of life at home and I understand that's through visiting homes in every country that we're yeah, in around yes. the world and we call those home visits. Can you tell us about your experiences with home visits? Uh, so, yeah, um, we have... Uh, 
I mean, IKEA has 200,000 co-workers around the world, which means 200,000 home experts. Everybody has a home. Uh, and especially always when I, when I travel, um, I, do, uh, I do home visits. Uh, I mean, visiting colleagues' homes, uh, that's an easy step. But then, uh, then visiting just, just normal homes, wherever you are, especially now when I'm based in Shanghai, um, meeting or going into normal Chinese homes, uh, that's extremely learningful to, to, uh, to just go and interview people, uh, what kind of things they live with, uh, what kind of things they love the most. What are the things that definitely don't work? What would, what are the things they would like to change? Uh, some things, like I said, you do interviews. Uh, you are a little bit more active uh, participant in homes. But then at some times you just go to, uh, to uh, go there with your ears and eyes and just look how the daily routines uh, in different parts of the world look like. Mm. Like I said, we do a lot of travels when it comes to I mean, doing supplier visits and suppliers we have around the world. So at the same time, when you're visiting suppliers, it's, it's really meaningful to, to, uh, to see the homes as well. Sure, sure. And tell me, as a designer, what or who inspires you? I would say that I think that has a lot to do with my background uh, of different materials and the making. Um, it is the materials um, that every material has its unique characters um, and sort of like making the most out of uh, those different unique uh, features. That's the that's the most interesting one Excellent. or in- inspiring one. Excellent. Um, and can you tell me about the favorite things that you have designed for IKEA? <gasps> it's the it's the, it's a dishbrush. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a lot, but it became. Uh, it became something extraordinary. <laughs> uh, when I got the brief about um, redoing a dishbrush that we have had in the rain for a long time, um, we uh, we sort of we revisit our range every year and sort of like set um, or uh, sort of like set or score set uh, all the products according to democratic design principles, right. whether the products are relevant uh, still. Uh, this this process that, that I was supposed to redo, we have had in a range for more than 10 years. And I mean, of course, we, we need to have a dish press. Everybody needs a dish press for sure. Uh, but the old product didn't live anymore according to, to our um, demands. Um, it's, it is extremely functional still, and it's a beautiful one, but material-wise, we could uh, improve it. So, so we decided that, okay, now it's time uh, to, to redo uh, the brush. And I love, uh, I mean, scale-wise also, I really like doing smaller products that you can take so close, and especially a dish brush that you use on a daily basis, actually many times during the day, and the things that you take, such everyday life objects that you just take for granted, um, those I think as a designer are definitely the most demanding ones to do also because they, they should be so fluently uh, in your sort of like daily routines. Things that, you, you, that needs to be so 
uh, discreet. Sure. Um, but make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And of course you want to make, I mean, well, I, I personally, I love doing dishes. I have a dishwasher, but I never use it just because <laughs> I, I love the routine of slowing down and playing with the water and the soap bubbles. And I think it's really beautiful way also of, of handling your beautiful plates and cutlery. Cutlery, by the way, it's a really uh, also, um, um, oh dear, uh, one of my favorite projects that I've been doing. Uh, but okay, back to the dish press. Um, it's, um, um, yeah, it's called Rinnig. Uh, it, was, it came out a couple of months ago, but actually it took one and a half years That's uh, extraordinary. to make. Uh, we knew some functions that we definitely wanted to keep, uh, thinking about the old dish brush, like, for example, the suction cup. Um, but there was a lot of other things that, that we wanted to improve, not only when it comes to uh, the quality in the materials, um, but that, that, like I said, that became a little bit more longer story than I could ever, ever expect. But that also says something about the, how seriously we take these little sure. everyday life heroes, yeah. like, like just the regular dish brush. I heard that, um, that you put bubbles into the design. Yes, yeah, exactly. So they actually, I, <laughs> that was actually something also that I could never expect that I would be designing uh, air bubbles uh, <laughs> inside the handle. What's the purpose? But that's, uh, that's because I, we really wanted to keep the, uh, the great ergonomics in the handle. Um, so we needed to build up a volume in, in the handle but of course, we wanted we, we didn't want to use material right. to build the volume, uh, and just because it was not needed to use material uh, like throughout the whole handle, mm. and also to like improve the balance uh, in the product. So, so yeah, it's great a great example of democratic design. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you've met and worked with people all around the world. Can you tell us about some of those experiences? Um, oh goodness! Uh, so, uh, so yeah, IKEA has definitely opened up the 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 world. Um, like I said, we have one thousand suppliers, and they are located literally everywhere. Um, I have been, um, I guess, most of the most remarkable travels have been to Indonesia and Vietnam, uh, where IKEA took me to work with. Uh, natural fibers, materials like rattan and bamboo, uh, and that's of course, of course, for me has been really interesting projects. That that being able to work with the handmade, being able to work with the craft people, um, that that was also something that when I started IKEA, I, I didn't know the amount of handmade products that we have in the range, um, and to go into these tiny villages in the countryside of Vietnam to meet home weavers, to also see how much, um, how many people get their, uh, get their, their, their salary or they, they make money uh, out of these handmade products. Mm. Um, but also being able to follow the journey of the material. Where does the bamboo grow? Who are the people who harvest the material? And how does it end up to be as a raw material then that the home weavers can make beautiful products out of? Uh, it's quite fascinating uh, journey to follow. Amazing. And um, I'm wondering if you can tell us um, about something 
that you're working on now? Give us a little bit of insight of what what there is to come. Uh, well, yeah, for example, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yesterday, when we were wrapping up the day here uh, at the at the office in Sydney, um, I went back to the hotel and started the Skype meeting uh, together with Sonos. Um, Symphonisk was uh, a collaboration that we started. Three years ago, oh. um, but the journey with Sonos is uh, we we uh, we met so well uh, together with Sonos that we decided that making these two products for Symphonisk that's just the starter. So at the moment we are working with three different uh, products, and uh, the Skype meeting yesterday was about going through um, the last concepts of the next generation. How exciting. <laughs> We're so excited to see what is coming out. I'm um, more than excited as well. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Ina. It's been so interesting talking to you. Thank you.